From the rule of our Holy Father Saint Benedict, chapter the 25th, De Gravioribus Culpis, of Grave of Faults. Let that brother who is found guilty of a more grievous offence be excluded both from the table and from the oratory, and let none of the brethren consort with him or speak to him. Let him be alone at the work enjoined him, and continue in penance and sorrow, remembering that dreadful sentence of the Apostle, that such a one is delivered over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Let him take his portion of food alone, in the measure and at the time that the abbot shall think best for him. Let none of those who pass by bless him, nor the food that is given him. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. St. Benedict here would have the abbot impose a kind of solitary retreat on the brother who has gravely transgressed. The key phrase in chapter 25 is, Ut spiritus salvus sit in die domini, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. To this end, St. Benedict would exclude such a brother from the table and exclusion from the table has about it a Eucharistic connotation. The monastic table is sacred. Um, as I've explained before, the very layout of the refectory is modeled after that of the choir. The tables are in two choirs, the brethren uh, facing each other. The abbot's table represents the altar. There is the crucifix. There is the reader's desk, the ambo. And the meal is opened and concluded with psalmody and prayers. Everything about the refectory has a liturgical character even the way in which the service of tables is carried out has about it uh, something of um, the sacredness proper to liturgical actions. The uh, servers uh, vest in clean white aprons. Uh, their movements are considerate and uh, graceful. Uh, there is something ritualized about the monastic meal. It is a kind of liturgical action, or at least a paraliturgical action. And so exclusion from the table is exclusion from uh, one of the key moments of the monastic day. 
Another aspect of exclusion from the table is that in the Mediterranean culture it is unthinkable to eat alone. The culture of grabbing a bite, as Americans say, of fast food um, is a horrifying thing uh, to one uh, raised in the Mediterranean culture in which food is sacred, partaking of food is <coughs> sacred. It is always a communal <coughs> action. Even in my own lifetime, uh, my family, uh, my Italian relations inculcated in us a sense of the sacredness of bread in particular. And if it would ever happen that someone dropped a piece of bread at the table, uh, the bread had to be kissed and then lifted, lifted up to God. Uh, that is something that was passed down from generation uh, to generation, which would indicate uh, that there, there reigned over the whole culture of food and drink um, <coughs> something of a liturgical quality. Uh, so to eat alone uh, is a terrible fate. To be consigned to a corner, uh, not to eat at the same time as one's brethren, uh, not to have one's food blessed, um, the uh, meal of the brother uh, who is excommunicated becomes aliturgical. There's no blessing. So, there's exclusion from the table and from the oratory. Uh, the brother is no longer admitted uh, in, into the communion of the Opus Dei. He is excluded. And the companionship of the brethren is denied him. Let none of the brethren consort with him or speak to him. He's not dispensed from work, but he works alone. Clearly, for St. Benedict, this is unusual, that a monk would have to work alone, and the monk himself would suffer from having to work alone. Uh, it remains <coughs> for us a principle, insofar as possible, it's not always possible, uh, that we work uh, in, um, uh, in teams, or that we work with one or two uh, other <coughs> brothers. Uh, this is not always possible. But it, remains, it remains the monastic ideal that just as the work of God, the Opus Dei in choir, is corporate, so too is one's work corporate. No monk is permitted to have or to develop a personal career, to work um, for himself, by himself, on his own terms. Uh, when this happens, the end results are disastrous for a monk's soul. If a monk excels in something and uh, begins then to uh, require special conditions for his work, 
a special timetable um, uh, that he he manages uh, the profit gained from his work all of this uh, creates a situation in which the monk is isolated and uh, falls away from conversatio morum from obedience and alas even from stability so in benedictine life uh, work is always corporate even if a brother in certain circumstances is obliged to work alone he does it um, in synergy with the rest of the community it remains a piece of the corporate work it's never a monk working for himself Saint Benedict would have the excommunicated brother continue in penance and sorrow pondering that dreadful sentence of the Apostle that such a one is delivered over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh um, it's from 1st Corinthians 5 5 but I think that here the Apostle is uh, alluding to Job uh, you know the uh, that Satan uh, approached God and said give me power over this man and so uh, Satan's uh, request uh, was admitted by the Most High and you know the rest of the story of the book of Job so it's it's in the light of the book of Job that one has to understand this passage uh, from the Apostle uh, sometimes uh, ill health uh, becomes salutary for the soul uh, how many saints were converted precisely because they were reduced uh, to dependence on others or completely immobilized or isolated by sickness so this uh, something uh, that is uh, not a good the absence of health uh, can be turned to good by God and Saint Benedict <coughs> is willing in some cases to allow this to happen so that a brother may be saved in die domini let him take his portion of food alone I've spoken of this in the measure and at the time the abbot shall think best for him so the excommunicated brother does not in any way participate in the communio of the monastic family let none of those who pass by bless him terrible thing we know that custom was and remains insofar as possible that we ask for the blessing benedicite dominus uh, that this exchange of blessings is part of uh, monastic etiquette and the excommunicated brother uh, is not blessed uh, he's left uh, in, in isolation um, the food that is given him does not uh, enjoy uh, the blessing of, that the community of the food the, the food of the community receives all of this to give a brother time and space uh, 
to uh, ponder his plight and to uh, seek the face of the Lord in repentance, in compunction. And this isolation can very often make a brother uh, so desire restoration to communion that when he is readmitted into the community, uh, he enjoys special graces and advances rapidly uh, in the way of holiness. This is not something that an abbot imposes lightly. Uh, a brother, um, this, this, this must not be, uh, it's not a, a common occurrence in monasteries. Um, I've only had to uh, excommunicate a brother once, and it wasn't here, it was before we came here. And um, it was uh, with, with, with good reason. And during that time, the brother came to see uh, that he was not, in fact, called to, to the monastic life. And so it did have a good outcome. It was salutary for him. And that he was able to um, ponder and weigh um, why exactly uh, he, he he was falling short um, in, in the practice of monastic virtue and uh, he was able to draw the conclusion um, for himself and um, so it, it did have a salutary uh, issue. Uh, nonetheless, this should remain um, extremely rare. Um, and uh, the brother on whom excommunication is imposed must be capable of understanding the gravity of it. So I would never impose this on a brother who would take it as a holiday, saying, oh, this is grand. I don't have to go to choir. I don't have to go to the refectory. I don't have to uh, deal with other brothers. Uh, this is just wonderful. And I still get my meals, and I can live my life as I see fit. That's not what St. Benedict has in mind. I think that today, uh, this particular uh, form of um, correction uh, it must be used very sparingly because most men come into the monastery uh, marked by um, the individualism that is prevalent in society. Uh, people putting on earphones and sitting in front of a screen and exchanging real encounters uh, for virtual encounters. Uh, the whole uh, culture of uh, computers and the internet has contributed in no small part to uh, a terrible isolation. And it's terrible uh, in that it creates the illusion of being in some kind of communion, when in fact uh, it's, it's a counterfeit uh, communion. Uh, it cannot replace uh, the real presence of face-to-face -face and heart-to-heart. -heart. I, I even wrote an essay a few years ago on this distressing trend uh, that was becoming popular among conservative Catholics. Um, 
the notion of uh, doing Eucharistic adoration on the internet, which I found absolutely horrendous. Uh, people uh, going to a website where there was a camera fixed on an altar in a church where the Blessed Sacrament was exposed and then uh, kneeling down, I suppose, in front of their computer screen and thinking that they were doing Eucharistic adoration, an absolute travesty. Um, and uh, this was being promoted by certain um, theologically deficient uh, conservative Catholics as in some way being a, an expression of Eucharistic adoration, which it isn't. Uh, and so I wrote an essay explaining why and then recommended that uh, it, when one is, has the, uh, no possibility of going to a church where uh, the Most Holy Sacrament is reserved in the tabernacle, one should pray before a sacred image. Uh, this is why uh, we have sacred images in our homes to pray before the crucifix, to pray before uh, an image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, before I found the Holy Face, uh, before an image of the Mother of God or of the Saints. Uh, so, um, the, the, uh, the attack is always against the whole sacramental economy. The devil is determined uh, to attack the principle, the adorable mystery of the Incarnation and everything that flows from it, the whole sacramental economy. And he does this uh, not only by direct attacks on the Incarnation, on the body of Christ that is the Church, on the Eucharistic body of Christ, and on the whole sacramental economy, but also by offering uh, uh, counterfeits of the sacramental economy. And this is equally, if not more, pernicious. So the, the doctrine and the practice of St. Benedict is so rooted in the sacramental economy that derives from the Incarnation. Uh, and uh, for this reason, uh, one can give oneself over to the practice of the rule, knowing that by following the rule, one is uh, giving honor and glory to the adorable mystery of the Incarnation and to everything that flows from it.